Empowering Leaders of Tomorrow Today. CHAP's upcoming career certification programs prepare professionals for leadership roles by honing their skills. Go to chapinc.org backslash career cert and enroll today to become a CHAP certified professional operator. Hi there, I'm Jennifer Kennedy, the lead for quality at CHAP, and welcome to this month's CHAPcast. I'm here with Keith Rosen, the CEO of Profit Builders, named uh, one of the best leadership coaching organizations worldwide. Since 1989, Keith has coached over 3 million managers and salespeople on six continents in over 75 countries. He's the author of Own Your Day, Coaching Salespeople into Sales Champions, the number one best-selling sales management coaching book on Amazon and sales leadership, which was named Amazon's 2018 Sales Leadership Book of the Year. He was also named one of the most influential coaches by Inc. Magazine and Fast Company. Keith, it's a pleasure to have you on our Chapcast today. Thanks for joining. Oh, thank you for having me. Also joining uh, the podcast is my colleague and uh, compadre, Cassie Ellison. She's uh, CHAP's VP for Growth Consulting. Hi, Chap. Uh, hi, hi, Chap. Hi, Cassie. Uh, welcome to ChapCast. Is there anything else you would like our listeners to know about what you do at CHAP? Hi, thank you so much for having me today. I am just so excited to be here as the Vice President of Growth Consulting. I will say that I have read Keith's books. I have followed his coaching advice, and I just think there's so much value in the conversation we're going to have today. It's going to really resonate with the challenges of sales leadership and coaching. So thank you for having me. Well, I'm so glad you're here from CHAP um, with that, representing that arm. I This is not my uh, swimming pool. I am a longtime clinician. I have my nurse uh, sweatshirt on today. Uh, you know, so I know the, uh, the clinical operations side of the business, but I do understand that, um, you know, the sales piece, which is part of the operations, I understand the, the importance of that. You know, they're, they're setting the tone, essentially the first contact many times for uh, representing the company. So that's really important. And I think, um, you know, we know that it, it's really changing and uncertain landscape in healthcare um, today. We know that sales leaders are really busy. Um, but Keith, I guess my question to you is, with all that sort of uncertainty and change and chaos that is happening in the healthcare continuum, what happens to coaching in that to-do list for a sales manager rather than go out, sell, sell, sell? Um, I, I would think the the leadership piece of that, which is coaching and mentorship, really is a huge piece to developing that sales team in order to be that wonderful first representation um, to outside of the company. Especially now what I find, and it seems to be a global conundrum is that I always find it very interesting that at the end of every month or the end of every quarter, that's when every that's when everyone's scrambling to close deals and managers say, Keith, I don't have time to coach. And when I hear that, my first visceral reaction is you don't know what coaching is. So when leaders today, which they're extremely busy, 
CEO confidence and sales management confidence is an, at an all-time low. Uh, 76 to 84% of all issues uh, are a result of faulty communication. Uh, because of this, managers are actually losing one full day each week as a result of faulty communication, which financially results in about $12,000 of a cost per each member on their team. So this all this uncertainty and change on top of the fact that managers and leaders have never been trained, mostly how to coach, forget about coaching in a remote or a hybrid world. So when managers say, oh, we're too busy to coach, they think coaching is something you do to someone. No, it's who you are and it's how you show up. I don't change the way I show up every day. It's who I am. So when managers say I'm too busy to coach, it's like saying, well, I'm too busy to breathe because coaching is simply a language. Look at sales. Look at your best salespeople. They're probably the strongest communicators, just like your leaders. They're probably your best leaders are probably the strongest communicators. Down to um, why leaders are not engaging with coaching, it's because they don't have the language of leadership. So what I find is when managers tell me, oh, Keith, we want our people to coach 70% of the time. No, um, coaching is something you do because it's simply a language. So just like if we're learning Spanish or Italian or Urdu or uh, any language, managers and salespeople need to learn the language. Uh, because that's what people need today. You know, three years ago um, to today, uh, the landscape, of course, of selling has changed. As a matter of fact, uh, this is a scary statistic. Uh, 76% of all companies since the pandemic have changed the way they buy. So procurement has changed. Number of decision makers have changed. Factors they use to make decisions have changed. But only 17% of companies change the way they sold. Now, that's a major disparity right there. Because if you're still managing, coaching, and selling the way you were pre-pandemic, you're already set up for failure. The rules are different. I just shared some statistics which we never dealt with before. Attrition is at an all-time high. Interestingly, uh, in certain industries, it's even higher. So. When it comes to managers telling me they don't have time to coach, it's because they don't understand that coaching is just simply the way you come across. So, you know, while you're talking here, I'm talk I hear you about attri attrition. I hear you about um, the, the need to do that. But, you know, I, I, I'm really interested in generational differences, you know, how the boomers, uh, uh, respond, communication, what their needs are to all the way up to our, our newest generation, our Zers, you know, um, you know, when you look particularly at millennials, they need that. That's when you read any kind of literature out there, that's really, it's not just money. They want to be part of the fabric of the organization for many different reasons, for diversity reasons, for, but they 
One of the big things, the standouts is that they want to be mentored. They want to be coached. Um, they, it's an expectation for them of that generation. So um, what you're saying, I, I feel aligns. Yes, things have changed, but it, it's changing with generational needs. Would you have anything to, to say about that? Disagree? Agree? You know, well, I, tell I, me I'm out of my mind or what? No, no, no. I would never say that unless we were offline, Jennifer. I, there you go. <laughs> I, you brought up two really important facts. I, I want to touch on a strategic tool that every leader and every salespeople can use today, uh, but also to the point of what you were saying about generational gaps. I, if you, if anyone goes and does research right online, uh, money is never the number one anymore. Out of the top five, money's like number right. four, maybe five. What people want today is they want to be connected. They want to be part of something. They want to, they want to be able to contribute. They want to have a cause. They want to have a passion. They want to know they're making an impact. That's what people want today. So then how do managers coach to that when they're so used to running around and saying, you know, your target, right? You know, your target, right? You know how much you have to close, right? That doesn't do anything but just annoy your direct reports. It's not helping them grow. So what's a way to help people grow? Regardless of uh, uh, generational gaps, the one thing about coaching is that it's agnostic. Well, at least my my approach is. So if I if someone approaches me, I'm going to share what I call the one minute coaching strategy. As a matter of fact, I can probably do it in 30 seconds. So let's let's put our timer on. Someone comes to you looking for help. You have two choices. You could be the chief problem solver and give them the answer. Or you can ask a question. And the question is very simple. Hey, Jennifer, thanks for coming to me. I really appreciate that. However, you're much closer to this situation than I am. And I trust you and I trust your judgment. So what's your opinion on how to move forward and achieve the results you want? Now, I'm from New York. I talk pretty fast. And that was <laughs> under 30 seconds. You can use that strategy with anyone. Because think about it, we're acknowledging the fact, yes, I will share my idea. Number two, you're, you're acknowledging the fact that they're closer to the situation than you are. You're also letting them know that I trust you, I trust your judgment. What do you think that's going to do to their confidence and also the relationship they're going to have with their manager? And since we're talking about leadership and sales being a precise language, Notice the final question I ask. I ask, what's your opinion on how to achieve this? I don't ask what result, how are you going to achieve this result? I don't ask what's your strategy. I don't ask what's your solution or answer because strategies, answers, and solutions can be right or wrong. Opinions are never right or wrong, and everyone has one. So no one can come to you and say, well, I don't know. You don't know your own opinion. You know, so, so it provides the opportunity for the coach to hear what the coachee is sharing and create that coaching moment for them. I love that. Cassie, I know that you're working in our uh, growth solutions 
uh, section of CHAP. And it sounds to me, you know, given what Keith has said, that you're not, or we are as CHAP, not being prescriptive about what we're doing. But sounds like there's wonderful coaching opportunity for uh, our customers who are, are interested in growth solutions. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. I think kind of going back to sales leaders being extremely busy, that is 100% true. Um, I think, you know, in healthcare in general, you know, let me back up. I was in healthcare sales for 15 years before coming to CHAP and in various sales leader roles and as a sales representative myself. Um, there's just been changes with the high costs of staffing these days in the same reimbursements, you're seeing that organizations are starting to invest less in sales leadership, meaning sales leaders have sometimes even double the direct reports than they did previously. Um, and so, you know, it, it is a challenge being extremely busy to keep up with the administrative side of things, the strategic planning side of things, but most importantly, your people. Without your people, you don't have anything. And so that's the thing that, you know, we coach to a lot is how can we really manage our week with intention? So not letting your week run you, but you running your week and knowing that in order to win, I mean, you have to connect with your team. You have to get out there in the field um, and have those coaching opportunities and build that trust with your team. So when, when they do need coaching, they'll come to you because they trust you. They trust that they can come to their leader um, and, and work through things as, as they occur. So I, I do see that, you know, we're working with an organization right now that, you know, they're getting creative on how they can layer in more sales leadership and starting with a, a level one of peer mentorship. So I think, um, you know, really getting creative on having the adequate number of people to do effective coaching is key uh, for winning in sales today. Uh, I, I do want to comment on Chief Problem Solver when you mentioned that, Keith. Um, reading your book years ago um, as an early leader myself, I will admit I was a chief problem solver. If you had a problem, I had the answer. And I was so excited to give the answer. But what I found was that, you know, I, I kind of created a codependency problem, right? My phone was ringing a lot because... Everybody needed help to solve the, the various problems about their day. So um, adopting the coaching that, you know, in your book, the 67 second coaching and really having those conversations with your team, um, I just saw such a difference. And it's the right thing to do. It's to grow leaders. It's to grow your team professionally and how to problem solve and, and get them confident in themselves, you know, to be able to feel good about making decisions as they have different things that occur throughout their day. So um, we see this a lot with growth solutions um, and we do a lot of uh, sales leadership coaching and training and how to effectively manage your week to be able to uh, manage all parts of sales leadership. Cassie, that was a really good point you brought up, and I'd like to expand on that because being a chief problem solver truly is a global conundrum. There's not a manager I know out there who, when someone approaches them, the visceral reaction is to solve the problem. Managers are like heat-seeking missiles. They love looking for problems, and they love solving problems. As a matter of fact, I've seen countless job descriptions that actually say, good problem solver. But it doesn't say good coach. Well, 
wait a second, who's doing the work when you're coaching? If the manager is doing all the work, that's not coaching. Coaching is about leading with questions, not leading with answers. And I think we need to take a moment here and even the playing field about what a simple definition of coaching even is. Because if you go throughout an organization, I can tell you right now, there is no commonality in a, in a definition of what coaching is. So rather than share a long academic definition, here's the definition of coaching. It's the art and language of creating new possibilities. So now take that definition and for every manager, every people leader, think about the conversations you're having. If you're having redundant conversations, well, you're certainly not creating a new possibility. If you leave that conversation with a new possibility, new ideas, new approaches that you've collaborated on with your coachee, that's a good sign that you're doing some really good coaching. And a couple of other points to really nail down the cost of being a chief problem solver is that even though managers are coming from a good place, consider how the coachee is feeling. Now, don't get me wrong. Some of your people are going to be really happy. This is great. I go to my manager. They give me the answer. And the best part about it is if the answer doesn't work, it's their fault. Well, we actually rob people of the very accountability we're looking to build. It's, it's insane. So consider this. Every time you give an answer, while there are some people that want that from their manager, there are other people that truly want to be coached and they understand that coaching is going to help them develop. And when a manager gives them an answer, what they don't see or what they don't hear is that coachee thinking, well, gee, um, my manager didn't even, they didn't even ask my opinion. Um, I guess they don't trust me. I guess they don't think I can do my job. Now you tell me what's that going to do to someone's confidence. It's going to absolutely destroy it. And if that's not enough of a cost for those managers that see themselves adopting more employees on their team, remember this one thing. If, if, if it's one case for coaching, it's this. You can't scale dependency. You can't scale it. You know, Keith, I'm listening to all this and I'm like, yeah, this is totally applicable to the other, you know, to the operations of the organization, clinical, all of that. Because I think there is failure to coach clinicians. Mm -hmm as well, you know, directors, managers on, on sort of that side of the house of the total operations as well. You know, I, in my, uh, you know, 38 years as a nurse, I, lately, it seems to me like, eh, there's, there seems to be lack of critical thinking on the clinician side, right? But you know what, maybe it's there, and it's not being coached out, maybe. Maybe. I'm not saying that's the case for everything. And, you know, on the clinical side, you have to sometimes say the regs say this. This is what we have to do. But I think there's more room to to help 
um, clinicians and, and, and folks that are involved in that piece to draw out what they know is, is to help them grow. And I, I think exactly there's a lot of problem solving happening on that side of the fence in an organization as well. And, um, we have to, as you mentioned, you have to make time for it, or we're not going to keep those um, millennials, uh, Gen Zers, the whatever the next uh, generation is going to be called after that. We're not going to keep them engaged and keep them um, happy in an organization if uh, managers now and moving forward don't develop that skill. <laughs> Absolutely. As, as a matter of fact, uh, I, again, you know, it's one thing to chat about. Uh, these things that truly will make a difference uh, in in the in the uh, impact and performance of people. At the same time, though, I've seen some statistics where uh, what was it? Uh, recently, just saw a, a one that was really scary. Only one in five employees say they actually see a future at their organization. Wow, that's pretty low. That's yeah. so to me, companies, you know, they throw more tools, they maybe throw more incentives. That's not the answer. What people really, really, really want is to help grow, but not only the company, but support their customers. And I know this might hit people, I don't know, I'm going to say uh, maybe in a, in a different way, but the Dominant strategy for sales and for leadership is care. That's what people want today. We have never been in a situation where we have so much exposure into people's lives than we do now. After all, I'm in my office. You guys are in your office, your home. When I'm speaking to my clients, when I'm doing a video call, I'm in my client's home, whether it's in their you know, if they have a home office or in, the, in their kitchen or where, wherever they're they're uh, uh, conducting the meeting, but I'm in their home. I'm in their office. That's such an opportunity to connect with people at a deeper level and change those conversations, not just from a business conversation, but to a personal conversation. Because consider this, for those people, and there's many, many that are still struggling out there. So are your clients. They're people too. Well, you say struggling, man. It 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 is a competitive landscape out there, and you know I wouldn't want to be a salesperson going out there um, to uh, you know get your foot in the door, have those conversations. How do you how do you keep those folks that are out there every day knocking on doors, trying to have conversations, motivated? confident, et cetera. How, how do you, how does one do that? So one thing I find, and I, I told them, I don't know if I should have taught my kids this when they were very younger, but I said, you know, the one word you really, really want to get comfortable with for the rest of your life is no. So they've over the years kind of used that against me. You know, I'll, I'll say no. And of course they get a mom <laughs> and then mom says no. And then of course, you know, I'm the softy. So then of course I'll say yes. Uh, when it comes, though, to, to, to the struggles that salespeople are going out there and, you know, so much pressure, how do they maintain their focus? How do they keep their confidence? Uh, there's several things. Uh, number one, 
And, and this is more of a self-assessment for, for everyone is, do you have a personal vision? Do you have your core values laid out? Do you know what your specific goals are? Do you know what your intrinsic motivation is? You see, when we have our core vision in front, that becomes our North Star. That becomes our guiding light. And the one thing, and this is really the responsible responsibility of the manager, is, is that there is a skill that I teach called enrollment. And I want you to consider, if envision, you know, in my left hand, I'm holding the companies and, and the individual contributors' business objectives. And in the right hand, I'm holding their personal goals. Imagine if you're able to align each person's personal goals with their business objectives. Now there's alignment. So now that individual is thinking, oh, well, if I achieve this in my job, I'll achieve this personally. Most managers don't connect it because enrollment is a, a learned skill. So part of what I see with what great managers are doing, it's not just creating a, a vision statement for the company and putting it on a wall uh, that was designed by marketing, you know, and of course, no offense to marketing, they do wonderful work, except if we want people to truly own something, it doesn't matter if someone else creates it. What we create, we own. And what we create, we act on. So if someone is creating their own vision, identifying their core values, identifying what their uh, goals are, that keeps them honest. It keeps them in that same lane. So when we're talking about a sales slump, how do you keep people engaged and confident? Well, does the manager have any idea what motivates each individual on their team? I will go so far, and please feel free to anyone to challenge me on this, but the majority of managers have no clue what their people want, what they're motivated by, how they like to be held accountable, uh, how they like to be inspired. They don't know that, so what do they do? They, they make assumptions. So the, one of the leading cause of lost sales, uh, strained relationships, uh, turnover uh, is assumptions because either we're assuming or we're assessing. And since we're talking about some traps that managers fall into, one of the greatest traps I see is they manage or coach in their own image. So, for example, if I'm not taking the time to, to uncover how you like to be coached, motivated, held accountable, well, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to think, well, gee, this is how I like to be motivated, inspired, and held accountable. So I'll assume that's how you like to be motivated and held accountable as well. And then we wonder why people are leaving or even managers saying to me, gee, you know, I I like to be managed in a very direct way, but when I do it to my team, some of them have cried. That, that should be a good sign. And this is the opportunity to have conversations and sit down and talk about what motivates you, what gets you out of bed every day, what inspires you, what are the things you'd like to do more of at home? How good are you at turning off work at the end of the day? How, how good are you at managing 
your self-care, how well are you taking care of yourself? How do you stay focused on your priorities while balancing the performance you have at work? See, these are the questions no manager is asking because they're much more personal. Well, Keith, those are personal questions. Yes, they are. Because the dominant strategy today is care. Everyone is going through something. I, I love that. It's, you know, from a nursing standpoint, that's <laughs> that's me creating an individualized plan of care for my patient. And Cassie, I'm thinking, you know, part of what we're doing in Grow Solution is helping um, the, the customers who engage with us to really look at that landscape of their staff and figure those things out. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. I will say the, a lot of organizations that we talk to, we have discovery calls and we learn how, you know, they lead their sales team and, and kind of what is their cadence or recipe for success. And oftentimes we hear, well, we assign a quota and a territory and they go. And it's about get out there, make the sales calls, you know what your number is and, and that's it. So a large part of what we're seeing is, you know, all those things that Keith just talked to um, can be worked into a weekly cadence. And again, I go back to just being very intentional in coaching your people and connecting with your people for that dominance of care. And so um, that, that definitely is something that we talk to a lot of organizations about is how do you balance everything and ensure that you're investing in your team. And I will say um, Keith, you mentioned the enroll step. That is so many leaders make assumptions about their sales team and what motivates them. And when you, I challenge them to have an enroll conversation, they always walk away learning something new about their person. And, and you will find you've made assumptions about these folks that just are not correct. And so such a, such a key step and engaging someone into owning their their goal and their plan to win in their territory. So um, such an important part of the step. And, and, I'm yeah, a big and, fan. And it's interesting <laughs> because managers are really good at telling people what they need to do, but they're not very good at sharing why. And the most important part of that conversation, which is what's in it for you with them, WIFM, right? What's in it for me? So the point is, if a manager shares a new initiative or something they have to do, they could play the power card and their people will say, well, I guess I want to keep my job. So I'll, I'll, I guess I'll do this thing. But keep in mind something. If you truly want to create engagement and alignment, remember something. And this applies to every conversation. When your intentions are not clear, people default to fear. So if I'm a manager and I send you an email and in the email subject line, it says, call me ASAP. What's your first reaction? It's not my boss wants to tell me how amazing I am. It's going to be, uh-oh, what did I do wrong? Did I lose a sale? Uh, am I getting terminated? Am I being put on a pip? We never go to the positive. That's why it's so critical for everyone to always be clear that when you're sharing or trying to create buy-in or enrollment or change, you must share what's in it for them and what the intent is. Uh, you also mentioned, I don't wanna step over anything here. Uh, you mentioned about critical thinking. Uh, critical thinking, when people hear that, they think it's all about helping them um, 
formulate decisions in their mind, uh, become a more either divergent or convergent thinker. But what they what people don't realize is that critical thinking isn't only working from your head. It's also listening to your heart. And to me, that's where the best leaders are coaching from. It's from their heart, not from their head. And if there's one thing I also don't want to step over is confidence, because this is one of the things that I see everyone is struggling today. And I've I've been asked so many times, Keith, you know, why are my people falling into a sales slump? So in two minutes, I'm going to share how to eliminate a sales slump. If you look at how people develop their confidence, most people will say, well, my confidence goes up when I achieve something. So if we take a salesperson, for example, well, here's my confidence. I earn a new client. What happens to my confidence? It goes up. My confidence rises. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling productive. I'm feeling connected to what I'm doing and to my people. Wow, what happens? I sell another deal. Uh-oh, I just lost a big account. What do you think happens to my confidence? It drops. And then my confidence drops. I'm not as sure as myself. Well, then I have another conversation and then I lose another opportunity. If anyone wants to know the cause of a sales slump, it's tied directly into confidence. And let me be exceedingly clear. You have been lied to your entire life. You have been told that confidence is a result of results. Well, what if I was to tell you that confidence has no relationship to results anymore? One of my favorite quotes is by a philosopher, um, Haifez, a Persian philosopher. And the quote is, I am happy before I have a reason. If we are allowing external factors to dictate our internal condition, you will always find yourself, can, your, your condition internally, your internal power, your internal energy being robbed by external situations. Oh, once I hit my quota, I'll be happy. For how long? A day? A week? A second? And then the counter resets to zero. So uh, this is the inner game. You know, we've talked about what we can do to help our people develop, our clients develop. But what about the go be? How can we help coach people in the inner game? Confidence is just a choice. There is no more relationship between confidence and results. So consider this. I am confident because I'm confident. I am confident because I have already proven myself and my self-worth. That does not mean you're not going to still strive for excellence. It just means that those results have no reflection on who you are and the quality that you bring to others. Wow, that that is such a a, a great. Um, I don't even know how to top that. Uh, I think you know. I think. Uh, that's so applicable, not only to sales, but, you know, to whatever uh, a person does in the organization. And I totally agree with that. Wow. I, there are so many pearls of wisdom uh, that I'll be taking away uh, from our conversation today. And I, I wanted to thank you again, Keith and, and Cassie for joining the podcast. So 
each of you, any final thoughts for our, our listeners out there in podcast land? Cassie, I'll turn the mic over to you first before uh, I share. Wonderful. Well, I just, I really hope this is helpful to our listeners uh, in talking to a lot of clients. It, it sounds like this is just an ongoing challenge of really finding the time to coach effectively with our sales team to reduce retention, increase performance. So I hope there's some nuggets everybody can take away from this call today. And if you haven't read um, Keith Rosen's books, I highly recommend them. Well, uh, Jen, do you have anything you want to sign off before I uh, think about it? I, you know, like I, 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 I have so many things that <laughs> I'm taking away from here. You know, I'm, one of the things that really struck me after all these years, you think, you know, stuff, right. Is that there's a piece, everyone in the organization has a sales role really. Right. You know, I'm recruiting somebody, I'm selling the organization. I'm out there, I'm a clinician, I'm selling the organization. So I, that was a realization for me that it's not like the siloed thing. It, it's, it permeates throughout the organization. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Now I have to comment on that. So you bring, <laughs> you bring up silos. I'll be really quick. You want to know every real secret, secret to breaking down departmental silos? Respect other people's point of view. That's the answer. Because if I'm in sales and I need some, I need to give something to a clinician and they said they wanted it, you know, immediately, I'm running over to marketing and saying, hey, I need you to produce this for me. But you know what we're not doing? We're not respecting them. We're not respecting their time. We're not respecting that there are other things on their plate. So what if we turn that model around? And what if we say, hey, I'd love to redesign our relationship of how our departments work together so we can achieve our mutual goals? That's creating new possibilities. So I just wanted to share that, number one. Number two, when everyone is speaking coaching, that's how you develop a coaching culture. If every department is speaking coaching, if my direct reports are speaking coaching, my salespeople, yes, they're coaching customers. That's the evolution. If my boss is speaking coaching, we're all aligned and connected. That's the secret to developing a coaching culture. Uh, in terms of a couple of things that I'd like to share, um, just to wrap up from my end, uh, for those of you that would like to tap into any more of my resources, I have tons of resources on my blog, uh, KeithRosen.com, and please connect with me on LinkedIn uh, and, of course, on Twitter. Uh, there's a newsletter I have that you can sign up for where I'm always sharing different tools for leaders and salespeople uh, and, of course, things that affect our life balance, right? Because that's the one thing that we all struggle with is maintaining that 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 life balance. And uh, what's interesting, uh, people really don't have a time management problem. What they really have is a priority management problem. So in closing, I'd like to share my final thought of every um, company's universal philosophy. And here it is. People create the mindset. Mindset shapes behavior. Behavior defines culture. And culture determines success. That is why the primary initiative, the primary goal of every manager is to make their people more valuable. Every well, that is certainly a, a great way to uh, sign off on this uh, 
very informative uh, podcast. Keith, thank you so much. I know you're a busy guy. Uh, and taking time out of your schedule to join us has really been uh, a highlight uh, for me, particularly. And um, Cassie, I know same for you. Uh, you're busy out there, uh, moving growth uh, solutions forward. So thank you for taking time uh, out of your uh, day to join the uh, podcast as well. Finally, I want to thank uh, all of you for taking time out of your busy day. I know that is sometimes really challenging to do, but thank you for plugging into our podcast. And from me and the entire CHAP team, stay safe and well, and thanks for all you do. 